views expressed on this broadcast of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with Dr. Alan Berger do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, Dr. Alan Berger and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, friends of recovery family, all of those of you who are in recovery, those of you who are advocates of, and perhaps some of you who should be welcome to another fine episode, if I do say so myself, with Dr. Alan Berger on Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety. Very special show this week. Uh, I, I almost, uh, Dr. Berger, I almost wanted to speed up your music a little bit uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped. I guess this energy that I've just kind of got through the internet uh, the internet airwaves, uh, when, uh, looking at, uh, our guests, our special guests, uh, website and some of his, uh, radio shows, uh, folks, this is, this is going to be a, a lot of fun. But before we introduce our guest, Dr. Berger, how the heck are you? Well, I'm great, 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 Monty. And, uh, just like you, I'm very, very excited to have Zoe Williams joining us tonight. And, uh, I think it's going to be a very, very special show. And I, um, I'm certain that you, the listeners, are going to get an awful lot from uh, the uh, interaction we're going to have with Zoe tonight. He brings a lot to the table. Can you tell everybody a little bit about Zoe? Yes, I sure will. Well, listen, Zoe Williams has done a masterful job of decoding the complexities of the modern-day relationship. A student of urban alternative culture, Generation X, and world religions, Williams has turned his life experiences and knowledge into a non-nonsense empowerment movement. The Zoe What Morning Show with Zoe Williams takes the best of your traditional morning show, adds a little spice with deeper topics along with outrageous comedy. The show itself is a social experiment. Take in Living Color, uh, Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, Throw in Dr. Roz and a little Oprah, and there you have it. The Zoe What Morning Show, the talk show that listens. Uh, how's, how's that, Zoe? Did I do okay? I think you did a pretty good job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, welcome to Take 12 Radio and Step by Step uh, Towards Emotional Sobriety with, uh, with Dr. Berger and myself. It's an honor to, and a privilege to have you on, man. Man, the pleasure is absolutely mine. I appreciate it. How long How long you been doing this thing? I've been doing radio now for about, uh, I think I started in 2006. Um, my first movement was with uh, Jamie Foxx uh, mm-hmm. on his Sirius Ectum satellite network, the Foxhole. And um, basically after about... Uh, I would say after about four weeks of getting my own show over there, it became the number one rated show on his network for the next uh, four and a half years. And I like what your website says. Uh, It's the best example of can't miss radio. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not afraid. We're not afraid to talk about uh, anything, you know. Right. I noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot in common because uh, my listeners know that I'm extremely opinionated. In fact, one of our one of the uh, disclaimers slash introductions to 
to uh, one of uh, the shows. I think it's the, the Sober Portland radio show. It says, and now here's that overly opinionated 12-stepologist, the Monty Man. So we're not afraid to talk about uh, heart issues here either. So uh, I just am so glad that you're with us. Dr. Berger, uh, where are we going this week uh, with Zoe and yourself? Well, listen, this our show is all about emotional sobriety. And emotional mm-hmm. sobriety has everything in the world to do with relationships. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I think it would be great to talk with you, Zoe, about, you know, how you look at relationships, uh, the work you've been doing, and, you know, I'm just impressed with, you know, the, the, uh, the knowledge and the perspectives that you bring on these issues. And, and what we're talking about is how many, is the difficulty that most people have in a relationship about making their partner too important. I mean, right. that's really the heart and soul of this emotional sobriety stuff. So, so you know, in you know, anything around this whole issue about relationships and how you see, you know, what people need to do to make them work and stuff like that, I think that would be a great show for us to Oh, that's, that's excellent. Um, my perspective on relationships is uh, pretty straightforward in terms of how I view it. I just say, listen, when you're in a relationship, you are a student in the university of you. Hmm. (laughs) So all of the stuff that comes back in the form, we can call it feedback, we can call it reflection, and at the end of the day, usually that comes back in some form of conflict or some form of, you know, some type of experience. I say that is your curriculum. And everything that comes back to you is an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself. You know, Carl Jung put it beautifully, in my opinion, when he talked about the subconscious and how it is trying to come up and express itself through relationships. And sometimes it comes out as conflict. It's just trying to resolve itself. I see that as curriculum. So for me... Relationship is a highly reflective classroom where all of the reflections that come back to you is the curriculum for you. The university of you is how I look at it. Yeah, I like that. That's great. That's yeah, great. What we, what we, one of the things we've been talking a lot with our listeners about in this show, Zoe, is that, you know, if I'm upset in a relationship, I need to look at what's going on with me because there's something wrong with me when I'm disturbed. And it's just mm-hmm. what you're saying, man. That that's the university, and and I like how you put it, man. That's our curriculum. When when there's trouble, when we're having struggle, there's an opportunity for us to learn something about the way I say it is who we're not, right? Right, and right. Who we need to become because it's it's you know relationships are people growers. There's no yeah. ifs ands or buts about them. Let, let, yeah, yeah. Let, let me ask you, Zoe. Uh, this statement was made earlier. I, I think Dr. Berger may have said it, um, uh, you know, alluding to the fact that that we have a tendency to make everything about the other person, good and bad. I, I mean, you know, like we, we've heard it. It's it's in it's in our music. It's it's in uh, in our books. It, it's in some of our philosophies uh, that have been teaching us that uh Everything is about the other person. You need to make sure that you put them first in everything. And anything contrary to that tends to sound selfish. But I think mm-hmm. we, I think we've we've kind of 
you know, miss the boat a little bit because if we're not taking care of ourselves and we can't love ourselves, how in the heck are we going to love somebody else? Absolutely. Uh, and far too often, uh, it has been my observation that uh, what happens is we'll ask a person to come into our lives, not to date us, but to date our projections, perceptions, and ideas and expectations. <laughs> So I explain to I tell people all the time, don't date your ideas, because what you're going to do is you're going to take a sentient being and try to mold them and 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 you know edit them and push them into the box or template that you created when they weren't there. <laughs> right. Weren't there when you created that, and uh, I always tell people, don't date your ideas and don't date your coping mechanisms. Right? So what happens is is sometimes relationships hurt. Mm -hmm. When they hurt us, well, that trauma, like take, for instance, uh, if you you tear your ACL in your knee, well, that trauma will cause that area to swell. Right. Right? That swelling is a coping mechanism, right? Yeah. Yeah, A lot of us, (laughs) a lot of us are dating the swelling from a past hurt. And we're projecting this coping mechanism out into the universe, hoping that someone will date that. Well, you have to recognize that that coping mechanism isn't even you. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're in a car accident, your body knows, hey, let me black this person out, because I don't want them to remember what's about to happen. They're about to hit right. a, a, a bus head on. Let me black you out. Then you wake up in the hospital if you happen to survive. You go, well, what happened? Well, you were in a car accident. That's Hmm. a coping mechanism to protect you from the memory of that kind of trauma. Well, in relationship, it's the same way. We take that that trauma and the coping mechanism that comes from the trauma, and we say, well, date this. And what we ultimately do is protect a wound and build a wall around it and put a moat around it, and we find ourselves keeping that wound alive. I don't want to date your wound. I want to date your recovery. But you can't date the recovery until you tear down the walls of protection. Sometimes you got to let a little hurt in so you can seed, you know, seed that soil and, and, and build a different type of experience. But most people don't want to feel the pain. They want to move away from the pain, you know? Yeah, right, right. Is this Is this one of the reasons why we hear people say sometimes – maybe after 30 days of marriage or maybe even a couple of years, they make this statement, I don't get it. You're not the person I married. Right. <laughs> well, most people have married their expectations. Yeah. That it's not the real person. Right, yeah, right. And the poor guy or gal's like, what did I do? I haven't changed. Well, maybe you've just gotten to know the person a little better. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a a sociological construct out there called uh, enhancement bias. And typically, you know, the people on the outside of your relationship uh, looking in have a better uh, bead on the success of that relationship than the people on the inside, especially for early relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's because the two people in, in the relationship have a vested interest in the relationship succeeding. So they tend to enhance the good qualities in their partner sure. and downplay the negative qualities 
and this <laughs> lasts anywhere from 18 months to three years or something like that, and then they start to see the person for who they really are. Now, the people who have a better view of it are the people who don't have a vested interest, and that could be family and friends right. telling you, this person isn't right for you. But because you have a vested interest in seeing it work, you ignore the signs that are there. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. My mother, bless her heart, rest her soul, when the day she met my my wife, uh, this of course was was a couple of years before we'd actually gotten married, but she, she was my fiance. She looked her straight in the eye and she said, "Monty is the most selfish person you'll ever meet." Mm. <laughs> now, now you know that that seemed like kind of a rude thing to say but uh you, you know you know i look back over the years and there was a lot of truth to that truth be known uh because i'm all i think about all day long right uh and and perhaps that was a blessing and not a curse wow i think it probably was a blessing especially if uh, your your woman mm-hmm. uh took took heed to the words and, and was able to adjust and shift her expectations of you. The studies out there are very clear, and they make it known. The more flexible uh, the beliefs are of the two people that are together, the more successful the relationship tends to be. That's true. Because now, the, now it... Um, any situation can be adjusted to. The more rigid and the more concretized your belief system are, the, the more problematic they can become because they can't adjust and shift in times right. where you need to adjust and shift. And, and, and again, when you're dating a concept, your chances are you're going to be let down at some point because life has twists and turns. So, yeah. <laughs> do, do you think? Do you know, you think... It, it's such a great idea, though this this thing about dating a concept, because you know one of the things that I see a lot of people doing, though, and uh, I think most of us do, is that very early on in life that we start to try to be a concept <laughs> yeah. of who we think that we need to be. So mm-hmm. then, though, so even before that happens in a relationship, I think that we start to lay that trip on ourselves. And now I think, you know, instead of actualizing my true self, my, you know, actual self, mm-hmm. and use that growth force to become who I am, it gets hijacked, and I try to actualize this idea or this ideal right. or this concept. And mm-hmm. so I'm not even being myself. So if I'm not being right. myself, you know, how are we going to get to that point? And I, and I like you, and I like what you're saying. I think after a while, after you start to, to really be in a relationship for a period of time, that's when the work really starts, because now, now it comes down to who am I really and who are we really, and can we somehow find a way to meet each other and, and you know, feel good about it? Well, yeah, this is why I believe, um, and just because I believe it doesn't mean it's true, by the way, but <laughs> this is why I believe that love and I mean the real love, the deep, unconditional love is difficult to achieve because the idea 
is a condition in and of itself. Wow. State. So I believe that it's difficult to get to unconditional love when you yourself are a living condition, Mm. a living concept, an ego, an an id, an identity. Wherever there's an identity, there's a desire to defend it, to defend its borders. Yeah, (laughs) you bet. So automatically you're built for conflict and confrontation. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, that's true, you know, and then you yeah. think about the relationship is kind of grinding, you know, in such a way is to give you an opportunity to really get rid of that and to really discover, you know, who you are. Right. And right. That, that's when that relationship becomes a spiritual covenant. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I, you I, I love that. Uh, a moment ago that was just... Huge. He said the person is the idea, and the person is the concept, and it's something they've been working on and tailoring and manicuring, and they don't recognize that that's not them. They think yeah, well, they're the they think they're they're the, they're the ideal of themselves, and yeah. the problem with that is it's like a shadow, you know, trying to attract another shadow. We would get these two shadows together today, and the real people don't actually interface until conflict (laughs) manifests. (laughs) Such a great great image, man. That's such a a, a powerful image. Really, yeah. What can can, uh, folks do? I mean, I'm sitting here looking at, I wrote it down. Are you dating a concept? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, are you engaged to a concept? Are you interested in somebody because of your concept of who you want them to be? Um, what what can someone do to help others not do that to them? I mean, is there something well, we can do? Before you go there, Monty, before you go there, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Because yeah. I think one way, you know, our listeners might be wondering, well, how do I know if that's what's going on or not? Sure, there you so go. I diagnose this for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what comes to mind is that if you have a lot of rules about how the other person should be, then you are really in dating a concept, not the person. Yes, yes. See, and, and, right? Yes. Don't you think that's true? So, I mean, the more rules I have, the more it means that you have to be this way in order for me to be okay. Right. See, that becomes the heart of this problem with emotional sobriety. When my well-being depends upon your adherence to my rules, I'm in trouble. Yes, absolutely. Let, let me, uh, guys, guys, let me, let me play devil's advocate with this for a minute. Uh, is there really anything wrong, though, with having some uh, stipulations or guidelines, uh, you know, with your perspective dating partner i mean you you know i mean there there are certain things i know that that i was looking for in a mate and mm-hmm. i i know that today some of them were unreasonable expectations but and i've learned over the years that sometimes any expectation is unreasonable uh but there were certain attributes i was looking for how do we tell which of those are unhealthy and which ones are perfectly fine if the expectation is born out of a trauma on your end, it's unrealistic for the other person to live up to it. Ah, very good. That's, 
for, for and, and and like I said, just because I believe this doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I I think to have a re, uh, it's almost like asking someone to save you from a reoccurring nightmare. Mm. The relationship is designed for you to graduate after studying and accept or accepting and studying the curriculum that you get back and the feedback from it. Now, if you're just trying to protect yourself and saying, okay, I don't want to deal with this feedback and I need someone to kind of, uh, uh, you know, enable me, now you're misusing the actual purpose and design of relationships. It is designed to resolve the issue, not kind of self-medicate and maintain your current level of health. You know how medicine works, you know? Right. Uh, (laughs) We're not trying to heal you. We're actually trying to just maintain and stabilize you. So a lot of people are in a, a relationship or use relationship to maintain and stabilize their current coping mechanism from some previous trauma. And this is, and I, I just love the term emotional sobriety. A lot of people are, are exactly the way Beyonce said it. They're drunk. They're not sober. They're emotionally inebriated. Sure. It's very difficult for you to to see clearly and create um, useful and and beneficial expectations for your partner when you're always trying to hide and mask a, a, a pain or a trauma that you went through before. Relationship doesn't save you from that. Relationship exposes that to you for you to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, it just you just live with it. And that's that's a hard life to live. Yeah. Just <laughs> maybe another way to say it is if you don't deal with it, you just suffer it. I oh, mean that's yes, that's yes, the bottom yes. line, man. You just suffer it and there's a ton of sober suffering going on. Oh man. Yeah, that's sober like, suffering. Wow. We we yeah, talk about people don't show up for the lesson. Right, yeah. right, right, and we talk about we don't we, know how to unpack that curriculum. We talk yeah. we talk about how a, a person can die an alcoholic death and never have a drink. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. a serious problem. And see, you know, I love you know, I I just want to kind of build on what uh, you just said, Zoe, because for me it even goes a step farther with this because I think you're right on, and I think when those rules are born out of trauma that they really become, in a person's mind, must that have to happen in the relationship for that person to be okay. Right? Right. That person now feels like this is the way it has to be for me to feel safe, for me to feel good. And when their their safety is dependent on regulating other people, they're never going to be safe. Exactly. No, never. You know, it's just not going to happen. And then I take that even a step further to see... You know, the work that I've done, like with Dr. Kempler, who is really one of the masters in family therapy, he he had this great line that says, in order to make room for people in a relationship, they got to get rid of the rules. Because when there's rules, then there's no room for the people. Right. And then he went on to further say, is it's okay to have any rule you want for yourself and for what you expect of yourself in terms of the relationship and how you need to behave. But mm-hmm. the problem comes when I lay my rules on you right. and then expect that you should honor them. Right, right. 
mean, yeah. that is amazing. That is amazing. People don't understand that if you walk into it with the concept of these are my deal breakers, you're automatically telling the other person that you are inflexible in certain areas. Right. You're, and you're trying to control something, and you're not trying to have a relationship with them. Once again, you're trying to control that other person to live up to your concept of what you think needs to happen. And what do people do? What do people do? They, 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 they go along with it. They, they become what that other person wants them to be, even though it's not them, and then it shows up later on in the relationship, and it's devastating. Well, that, that's what Zoe was saying, is when, you, yeah. when my concept falls in love with your concept, and then we've got two concepts, right? Right. You know, having intercourse, we got a real problem on our hands. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Another, because another way to see the concept or the stereotype you can see it also, or you can term it as the mask. The concept or the stereotype is a mask. It's not the person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a template. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have cultural stereotypes. Oh, um, you know, my wife is supposed to have sex with me because she's my wife. She's supposed to have sex with me anytime I want her to, right? Okay? Uh, there's husband concepts or stereotypes. My husband is... The tough guy. So you know, somebody is breaking into the house. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to be the that provider, has, or he's right. got to be the protector, right? Well, what if you know? These are the concepts that really put us in a bad space. Yeah, yeah guys, we we got to take a, we got to take a short break. Uh, so, so hang on there with me. Uh, let's, let's take that break and then we're going to come back, Monty, and then we'll focus on that question you have is, well, what do you do with this stuff? And, and, you know, how do you use these ideas to be able to create right. the kind of connection that you really would love to have in your life? Uh, Absolutely. The, Zoe's website is com. Is that correct, Zoe? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, f- folks, you, you need to go check it out. You really, really do. Uh, we're going to have a link here uh, on this page, and it'll be on all our social, all our social networking sites as well. I am Williams.com. Don't go away. More with our guests when we come back. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio, and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Hey guys, this is Richie Supa, and you are listening to Take12Radio.com, recovery talk and positive music. All right, and we have returned. Uh, listen, the mission of Zoe Williams is simple. Uh, number one, to improve relationships within the urban alternative demographic by increasing effective communications. Number two, to provide uh, audiences with truly original content that inspires, educates, and entertains. And number three, to facilitate an initiative and an unprecedented engagement between the information seeker and the news bearer. Uh, Zoe Williams is our special guest uh, during this show of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety. His website is imzowilliams.com. That's Z-O. And uh, welcome back, everybody. Okay, so my question was, uh, 
when we know this and have this information, uh, let, let's say I'm a single guy or single gal and I am ready to start dating. I have no idea who I'm going to date. I'm just going to be available. Uh, is there some things that I can do to help prevent other people doing or putting expectations on me? What can I do? How can I participate in the solution? I think, um, and I think it's when you're dating, to know that you're comfortable in your own skin, to accept yourself 100%, to be in a space where you know what flaws are, right. you know what your strengths are, and, and, and again, you can't know all of your flaws because... They reveal themselves through relationship and over time. Yeah. But but to be to have a, a nice grasp of who you are and, and and be in a space where you're not projecting uh, what I call um, negative earmarks. Like there there are certain things that that stand out in your character like a lighthouse, <laughs> and they have a gravitational pull especially when you're unaware of this. <laughs> you, you, will, you will magnetize uh, a, a person that, in my opinion, is designed to trigger your ability to acknowledge what you haven't acknowledged to that point. Say that again. Say that, say that again, though. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, like there's this, say you're an argumentative person. Yeah. You're, una- you're unaware of it, right? You will magnetize someone that will trigger this argumentative nature in you, not for you to just continue to be argumentative, but for you to reconcile and understand your contribution to all of the arguments you find yourself participating in. <laughs> do you follow? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so wait a minute. It's, it's not just, it's, you, know, you know that old saying, if you're always in an argument, you can't blame other people. At some point, you become the common denominator. Yeah. You can't say, I'm argumentative because she doesn't understand me. Well, if this is girlfriend number four that doesn't <laughs> understand you, and your preferred method for dealing with being misunderstood is being argumentative, then you're the common denominator when it comes That's to right. argumentation. <laughs> you so you magnetize these experiences for you to understand that you are the common denominator. You can change this thing by understanding that, I love the way NLP puts it, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, when you uh, have some type of conflict with the person, they say, first, you own and be accountable for the conflict because whatever comes back to you, we'll call it negative feedback. Okay. You look at that, uh, we'll call that as, okay, you don't have rapport with this person. So you take ownership and say, okay, I need to build my rapport, as opposed to saying, oh, this person doesn't understand me. So you take the feedback as positive, as information, and then you say, okay, because there's conflict, I have to refine my communication skills. A lot of people don't do that. They'd rather say, that person didn't understand me or I'm misunderstood. So to be able to come back into a relationship, especially in a new relationship, a dating situation, you have to have a firm knowledge of who you are and what your weaknesses are because they will become a lighthouse for people to come into your space and challenge you 
to reconcile those issues. Mm. It is is it necessary for a person? Everybody's got baggage, right? I mean, you know, even if it's an overnight bag, uh, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> Oh, that was good, man. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, everybody's got baggage. Right. Overnight bags. I got those trunks now, you know? <laughs> those trunks, those things that you, you need like a whole carriage to pull them. Right. Right. Life trunks. Right. I hear you. But my question is, is, you know, some people are thinking right now, man, you know, I've been taught that I need to deal with my baggage before I get into a relationship. Otherwise, I bring my baggage with me. They bring their baggage with them. And uh, then we it all gets mixed up together and we got problems. But does somebody have to have taken care of all their baggage before they get into a relationship? I mean, is that even possible? No, I, I, no, 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 no,
And uh, uh, there is an element of folks uh, within the faith community that uh, their, their philosophy is uh, if you're experiencing pain, it's because you don't have enough faith in God. And my, and I must say, that's not the entire faith community. That's just a small portion. But it's a very dangerous concept because I believe, just like you do, that pain is an indicator. Pain uh, is a measuring stick. Pain is something that, that tells us um, that we're, sometimes it's telling us that we are growing because it's stretching. It's challenging us. And uh, many times uh, we experience pain. I, I think it can be a gift, don't you? Right. It is a gift. Yeah. I always, I, I think Dr. Berger said it wonderfully on a CD that I have of his where he talked about relationships. And I'm going to talk about you right now, Alan, as if you're not here. All, All right. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, he said something that just threw me for a loop. I loved hearing it. And, and that is what we fail to realize is the people we love the most are the ones that hurt us the most. But ultimately, those people, in my opinion, we have the most to learn from. <laughs> you see? Wow. Pain is, pain is part of the movement. Um, the, the, the book, The Prophet, by Khalil Gibran, he has a poem in there on love, and he talks about the duality of love. Love is beautiful, and it is sweet, but it also hurts. Mm-hmm. It's also sour. But that sourness has a gift within it when you embrace it. When you push it away, what happens is you never get the gift that's hidden within the pain. Yeah. It, oh. it reminds me of the word experience. If you look it up from its etymological root, it means to go through. Right. Come out on the end. Right. Most people get halfway through the experience, hit that wall of pain, and turn back. This is how it turns into baggage carried over into the next situation. Got it. Got it. No, I was you just bet. having this image. Hopefully this doesn't say something about where my head's at right now. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like that, that we we put ourselves into a condom and then go into the relationship to protect ourselves. Instead of having that, instead of having that vulnerability that you're talking about, which which means, look, you're going you're gonna to be hurt. And right. It's not something you got to run away from, and that's see that's that concept of developing in a meaningful endurance to that to those feelings, to right. where you understand that these are necessary and important things to experience and to grow from. I right. mean, they do really they can become the the things that nourish us in our development. And you know, Doctor Berger, Doctor Berger, you. Have you ever heard it said that if condoms worked, half of us wouldn't be here? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help myself. (laughs) But you're right. We do do the emotional condom thing. We we put this wall around us, and then we march forth. And then we wonder why uh, we're not experiencing some of the uh, really cool things life has to offer. Isn't that the absurd thing, is that we want... We want to be in a relationship, and we want the intimacy, but we don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and how the hell does that work? I mean, these are some of those ridiculous things that we do to ourselves, and we come up with these ideas like, I'd like all the fruits of this labor, but I don't want to do the labor. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, right. I, I believe for most people, diet love is better than regular love. Yeah. <laughs> diet love will give you a modicum of safety. Yeah. But let me just tell you, love is is risk. It's, it's unfortunate. Love and risk are synonymous. Yeah. yeah. And and if you can't live in a vulnerable space, in my opinion, you're not alive. Yeah. Amen That's to that, my friend. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree agree with that. You know, you know, it's so funny because you know some people will come to therapy and they'll. You know, they'll say, tell me, you know, I read, can you help me become happy? And I'll look at them and I'll say, I'm not interested in helping you become happy, but I am interested in helping you become alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, man, because that's the whole thing that we run away from. We want, like you said, we want one side of that dialect, right, that dialectical. We want the, the positive side of it, but we don't understand that in order to have this to really have a full experience in life, you got their both sides are important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you guys, we are just about out of time. Uh, I, we could carry this on for another hour. No, no, it's, it's been one it, to me. So first of all, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to take yes. the time from to your life and your busy schedule to get on the, uh, you know, step-by-step towards emotional, sobriety show with us because you, you just bring so much and i just want to encourage all of you out there that are listening check out zoa i mean wow. it's i've been on the show it's a lot of fun i'm you know looking forward to coming back so but you Absolutely. do an amazing job and i told you man that, that, that you're carrying an incredible message and i really appreciate what you're doing for you know, for our consciousness. So, you know, keep up the great work. Yeah, and let me Thank just you, let me let Thank me you. let me just say, so uh, you know, uh, kudos to you, man. Uh, great video, great great show. Uh, y- you know, y- you touch on on areas some people don't want to talk about, uh, but you do it anyway, and uh, that that is so important. Uh, you know, there's there's humor, there's seriousness there, and 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 you're not pulling any punches, so. Uh, I appreciate it when anybody does that. What, well, you, you, you got an open invitation to come back on this show or any of our shows at Take 12 Radio uh, any anytime you want, my friend. Hey, anytime you guys will have me, I'll come back, man. I really love what you guys are doing, and, and the pleasure has been all mine. Trust me. I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. You betcha. Uh, Dr. Berger, any closing thoughts? You know, that the image that I hope that we're leaving you with is one of a grounded optimism. And we're not talking about this Pollyanna view of a relationship where you come together and you live happily ever after. But we are talking about a spiritual covenant, that if you connect with your partner in the way that we've been talking about, that you will create what what Martin Buber called the I-to-thou relationship. And there is nothing more fulfilling and enriching than that kind of an experience in life. And I think we had a little bit of it tonight with uh, the way we got to talk to each other. So, Absolutely. so once again, thanks a million, Matt. Uh, Zoe, don't hang up. Hey, Dr. 
Dr. Berger, you stay on the line, too. Uh, and I'm going to come back to you on the phone after we close out the show. Folks, the uh, website, Zoe's website, imzowilliams.com. I-A-M-Z-O-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.com. The link is here at Take12Radio.com on Step-by-Step Towards Emotional Sobriety page. And uh, we'll, we'll also have a text link uh, on our main page at Take12Radio.com. Hey, listen, my friends. Do something now that will make the person you will be tomorrow proud to have been the person you are today. Uh, obviously, that can be challenging, but I'll tell you what, it is well worth it. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Zoe Williams and Dr. Alan Berger, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.